Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that shines a light on every corner of the property world. Today, we're looking at the prime residential market outside London, a market that has all the hallmarks of priming itself. Not only are the numbers up a bit, but there's some latent demand in the market and a little bit more certainty will go quite a long way. But can buyers and sellers agree on just what constitutes value? There is still disparity between buyer and seller expectation. But what is so important is that as soon as those expectations start to come together, deals are really happening. I'm Guy Ruddle, and with me to take a stroll around the prime country residential market are three people who between them know much more than is healthy about it. Andrew Perrett is Savile's Head of Residential Sales outside of London. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, Guy. Uh, Lottie Geeves concentrates on the £2 million plus market in the south of England. Lottie, hello. Hello, Guy. And Lucian Cook needs no introduction because he's been here before, but we'll give him one anyway. He's Savile's Head of Residential Research. Good to have you back, Lucian. Yeah, good to be back. Thank you. Lucian, when we talk about prime residential outside London or country housing, what are we actually talking about? Yeah, well, typically, I think people try and picture it in their mind by reference to the cost of the property. What we're really talking about is the best property in the best locations. Uh, And I would say in terms of values, we would most often say it's the market above a million pounds. But that's quite a thin part of the whole of the the UK uh, mainstream residential market. And indeed, it's probably not fair just to confine it to that. It's also the best property between, say, 500 and a million and even some properties under 500,000 pounds. But it, it sort of subscribes to what we would call the elephant test. It's quite difficult to describe, but you know it when you see it. <laughs> okay. So it's not just country estates and you know, 15 bedrooms, swimming pool, tennis court and Good quality farmhouses, good quality country cottages, the best quality flats in the best locations in the in the cities with the best quality housing stock as well. And what's the market like at the moment? You know, how, how is it sort of performing generally? I think you need to look at that in two areas. Uh, in terms of prices, it is undoubtedly price sensitive. And I don't think that should be a surprise given all of the uncertainty surrounding Brexit is probably the key one, but also given some of the increased tax liabilities that the buyers have faced in that market. So it's definitely price sensitive. We have seen some price adjustments within that market. In terms of transaction volumes, I think it's more robust than people would expect. There is definitely a market out there. And if you look at, say, transactions above a million pounds last year, uh, then HMRC tells us there are over 18,000 of them uh, above a million pounds. And that's only about a thousand down on the year before. Yeah. Andrew, does it behave this market differently to the sort of wider property market? I think there are similarities b- between the two. I'm, I'm interested that my friend Lucy and the analyst has gone straight to prices and then second to transaction numbers. From an agent's point of view, it's not all just about prices and transaction numbers. Um, from, where, from where we're sitting, um, we're actually seeing uh, a return to applicant numbers rising, viewing numbers rising. And that might be surprising to some of our listeners because we keep reading headlines in the press about the market's not in, in good shape. And the market's, the market's not fully functioning, let's be candid. But we do have um, increased demand in the last few months. Amid, amidst all this political sandstorm, it feels like there's there's a market out there. It might not be a fully functioning market, but there is a market out there. And there's there, certainly a prime market. Lottie, when, when, we, when I said earlier, it's not all big country houses, you know, 15 bedrooms, in your part of the world where it's £2 million plus, it sort of presumably is 
like that. Do, do you recognise what Andrew and, and, and Lucian are saying? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we were discussing this earlier and actually in the markets that I deal with, sort of 2 million plus, and we tend to look at the market outside of the M25, we've actually seen an increase of 34% of new buyers registering with us. And it's people that are bored of waiting. They want to get on with life. They're moving for the lifestyle choices. Um, and actually, they're just waiting for the right thing to come up or for that opportunity that looks like good value to jump at. Waiting is a is a key word there, though, isn't it? Because you, you, you've got more applicants coming in, more, more people interested in, in buying. But, but are there more houses actually selling? There are more houses selling. Um, I think we could do with some more new good quality stock coming onto the market, actually. Um, but I think that balance between sort of lack of new stock coming on and these increased number of new buyers registering with us is actually presents quite a good opportunity to those buyers taking a pragmatic approach um, and sensing that opportunity to trade in perhaps where there's you know less competition. There actually have been more deals done this year than last year, about 10% more deals done this year than last year. But there is a cautionary note in that. I think we have to remind ourselves that last March, with the arrival of the beast from the east, March was 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 uh, a write-off for, for, for many agents and, and, and for transaction numbers around the UK. But this year, we have seen more deals done. That is a fact. It'll be interesting to see what happens in, in quarter two. Yeah, um, and I suppose the people who are in the market are those who will take a longer-term view. If you think that they have to bear probably a bit more stamp duty than they used to, they want to spread that over a longer period of ownership. And because of that, they may be a little bit more cautious about what the economic future holds because of Brexit. And and I think what's really interesting, therefore, is that rise in applicant numbers tells you not only are the numbers up a bit, but there's some latent demand in the market and a little bit more certainty will go quite a long way. So I'm really pleased that I wasn't the first person to mention Brexit in this conversation. But now that you've mentioned it, Lucian, what, what's, I get all of you to, to, to answer this in your own way, actually. Is Brexit having an impact on, on this particular market, do you think? Well, I, I suspect it has. I mean, the top of the market in London, for example, was the stamp duty changes to 2014. The country market slowed a bit more post-referendum, but you haven't necessarily seen significant price adjustments, certainly not not right across the market. And the markets of the Midlands and the North and Scotland continue to see some modest price rises. But but since then, you know, we have seen an element of caution in the market. Against that, I suppose the biggest risk that most people have perceived is a no-deal Brexit. And it looks like the chances of that are receding. And I suspect that will bring some of the people who might have been sitting on their hands back into the market, particularly if, as Lottie says, they're just bored of waiting. Life has got to go on. Delays will only last so long. And so needs-based buyers at some point come back to the market. Yeah, it feels like their buyers are a bit more resi- resilient this year than they have been previously. There's been a lot of political questions out there and people need to get on with their lives. So to use your phrase, a needs-based buyer, if you're a needs-based buyer, if you're moving because of a catalyst, this relocation because of a job changing or the need for an extra bedroom because your family are growing, you get on with it. And and I think buyers and sellers need to be pragmatic both, at both ends. Both buyers and sellers need, need to be pragmatic, but it feels like there are deals being done. And when we talk about the prime market, it can become very property specific for the buyer, the particular buyer. You know, you're buying a property you're going to be living in for 15 years. It's got to be right. They don't come available that often. Lottie, when you're 
out there talking to people, showing people around houses, actually doing the job instead of sitting in a studio nattering away to us. Does the B word come up? It does come up. And I think it'd be wrong to say that people don't talk about it. But I think actually last year, we saw people holding back more from it. As I said before, I think people are just taking the approach that life goes on. And actually, it's much more, as we've just said, about finding the right place that means they can have the lifestyle that's the whole reason for their move in the first place. And whether that's the good commute or for the schools or having the green space surrounding them or, you know, village community, they all come into it. So let's talk about that, because that's really interesting, because you're sort of getting into the area of of you know, what it is that that, that creates value in, in this market. So, I mean, you just rattled through them, but just... but. So schools, is that the first thing? Is that is that just the most important thing, being near a good school? So one of the areas that I focus on is rural Surrey. And um, within that area, there are some of the best schools in the country, which is a big, big driver for us. It was quite interesting, actually, in January of this year, when the schools released their results of who'd got in, we had a big surge of new buyers registering with us and a real sort of motivation from them. Now they got the school sorted to then find the house. Wow. Um, we were discussing earlier, and I think about uh, three quarters of all the buyers um, that are moving out of London have... Have children so of course schools is a one of the most important factors wow really so so they 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 get into the school and then they say right well we better go and live near it god blimey that's an interesting way to live your life isn't it I living on like, the edge <laughs> you, you like a stats guy and it's true to say that the average price um of a, of a house within the catchment of an uh, an, outst- uh, an outstanding primary school versus one that's graded good is about 16 percent. so that's 40 grand's worth of difference between and it's a delight i just have to say at this point it's a delight to see andrew doing my job for me and doing it so much better than i do <laughs> i was thinking exactly the same you know exactly and nobody knows that he read that off a piece of paper <laughs> <laughs> i see no paper i see no paper so other things so that's schools um, the environment that the, 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 presumably there's a, a massive markup for having a great view or being in a national park or something like that, is there? Definitely. I think in some cases we've seen over the last year even sort of 10, 15% premiums on houses which have that amazing view. And actually, if, if you have the view in a national park, the chances are the land around you is protected from future development or, or growing communities, which adds again, I think, another sort of je ne sais quoi. And what about uh, Wi Fi? Does that matter? I think at a very local level, it's it's relevant. For me, there are bigger drivers of the market today. I'm afraid that I think one of the biggest drivers still remains is the commute time. You know, we're, the market in London has been a bit softer of late. We're all aware of that. Um, we've seen people leaving London, <clears throat> and, but, but the majority of the people leaving London still come back to London to work. So that commute time is one of the, the biggest drivers. And as a commuter, I think it's even more than that. I think it's the ease of the commute. You know, it's not just about how long you're on the train. It's about the quality of time which you have on that train is also a pretty key driver these days. Yeah. I should also point out, though, that not all homeowners moving uh, work in London, but the majority moving out of London return to London. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, they don't go, they're not going for good. They're just move, they're, they're moving home, but staying and working. Yeah, and I think, you know, modern working um, opportunities allow you to do that. You know, people can work from home a certain amount of days a week. You know, there are, there are I think... People in the minority will come to London for an eight o'clock start on a Monday morning and then don't see the light again till till six o'clock on a Friday. The one thing we haven't really talked about yet then is the, the sort of key market dynamic in any market, which is are buyers and sellers on the same page at the moment, Lottie? Do, do you think or is there a disconnect? 
I think in the areas of the country that I've been specialising in, um, there is still disparity between buyer and seller expectation. But what is so important is that we can really tell, and it's obvious to see as soon as those expectations start to come together, deals are really happening. And I think now is not the time for somebody coming onto the market to be trying at a really aspirational price. Actually, people have to be realistic. And buyers will be willing to pay what they perceive to be the right price when they find the right house for them. Um, but it's yeah. just about putting the two together. And it's that it's that classic thing, isn't it? Nobody wants to bid in a vacuum. Nobody wants to be the person where they think they're the only person bidding at that price. So getting competition in, in the market is absolutely critical to getting the best price for your property. And, and that slightly goes against that price at high philosophy that a lot of people fall back on. It's about being a bit braver and saying, look, we're going to price this really realistically for market conditions and just get the competitive bidding going. Yeah, absolutely. And that we have seen a number of cases across the country already this year where there have been competitive bidding situations taking place, which I think for a lot of people that are out there either buying or selling, it's probably quite hard to believe when you open the newspaper or turn on the news. Yeah. So- I, I suppose finally, the final problem point on that is given where the market is at the moment, it's difficult to see the market catching up with your expectations. And if you price it high, then it's going to take you a long time to sell it. And I think perhaps worse still, you risk blighting your property because it hasn't sold for a period and people then start to say, well, why? Andrew, is that your, what, is that what, what you will be telling your clients? Yeah, I think so. We, we need pragmatism from buyers. We need the same from, from sellers. We're asking both sides of the deal to, to play ball here. Before we finish, Savile's standout statistic, which sometimes frightens people, I think, well, not frightens them, but gets them worried that they've got to come up with a, an interesting statistic which makes people's eyebrows raise, rise. Not sure which is the right way. Anyway, whatever, go up one way or another. Um, have you, you, you were all warned about this, so are you, are, you, are you ready for this? Andrew, you're looking pained. I won't come to you first then. Lucien, you're a stats man, so I'm going to start with you. What, in, what is your Savile standout statistic? Well, I'm going to give you two. Um, the first one is London. Of course you are. Uh, well, yeah, and it, it could be a lot more, let's be honest, but we've got to, we've got to wrap this up at some point. Um, in the prime market um, in London, despite the price falls that we've seen in the period since 2014, price is still 20% above where they were at the point of the credit crunch. You go right to the other end of the country and you go to Scotland and they're 17% below. And that, I think, is representative of the fact that this market in in a lot of locations still looks like really good value. Andrew? And it's not just Scotland. Other parts of the UK are just at a different point in the cycle. In the northwest of, of England, for example, around the Manchester area, we're definitely feeling the positive effects of the northern powerhouse. Places like Knutsford, Wimslow and Alderley Edge continue to defy gravity and the market continues to grow. However, um, back to my stat, I'm going to keep this really simple, actually. Um, Agents are often accused of of talking up the market. And I'm interested in the demand statistics that are out there right now. It is a fact that um, our new buyers registering with us this year are up about 15% across all price bands. And the number of viewings being done around the country are up by about the same figure. That to me suggests there's latent demand out there. If we can get some sort of clarity in the political situation, we are on track for a reasonably functioning market. Well, that's very positive. Lottie? I'm going to go a bit off-piste. I think we've had enough stats. So I'm actually going to give you a killer comparison. So if somebody gave you £3 million to spend, um, I just thought I'd give you an example of um, the 
gap in value, basically, between the country and London. So £3 million, for instance, in one of the rural Surrey villages that I operate in, um, might buy you a very attractive, maybe six-bedroom farmhouse with some beautiful gardens, maybe a few acres if you wanted to keep a pony in the field, maybe a pool or a tennis court. Switch that back to prime central London, and I think you'll find you won't get much more than probably a three-bedroom apartment, which actually, when you compare it again to Scotland, is something probably totally different again. It's a lifestyle choice, though, isn't it? Yeah, I know where I'd rather be. Yeah, well, actually, do you know what? I'm beginning to think I might rather be there as well. Guys, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much. And and fascinating as well, actually. Thank you very much for being here. I hope you've enjoyed it. That's it from uh, Real Estate Insights this time around. If you want to find out more, you'll find plenty to get your teeth into on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. And if you aren't already a subscriber to Real Estate Insights, then please feel free to become one using your usual podcast provider. You can go backwards as well to podcasts from the past, all sorts of things you can find out about, including why 2019 is the year of global disruption and actually a podcast about Scotland, which uh, Lucian and Andrew were mentioning earlier, and why Scotland appears to have something that much of the rest of the UK doesn't at the moment. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.